0: to Henry Farman. In the year of the primal court, from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him an oil skin from the heart of an early tree. He compassed the earth therein, the man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for fire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the earth.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Alan Averill. Welcome to the Agitators Anonymous podcast, episode nine, if I can count correctly. Um, This episode will have a slightly different format in that it's a long-form discussion. It's about 80 or 90 minutes long. Apologies if you... Don't have that concentration span, but it is what it is. It's a long-form chat with Josh Barnett, who should be well-known to some of you, maybe unknown to some of the rest of you. Well-known metalhead, but um, MMA, professional wrestler, martial artist, commentator, currently tied to the Bellator MMA, competing in their heavyweight division. Either way, it's an interesting chat. Josh is a thoughtful guy who has a lot to say. We touch on some of the problems in the world today, some of the situations in the USA, that kind of thing. It's a rambling all over the place kind of chat that takes in stoicism, that takes in philosophy, that takes in all sorts of things. And not really that much heavy metal at the end of the day. But it's interesting. It's interesting. And I wanted to get the take of an American. I haven't quite felt like the noise needed my addition. I haven't quite felt that the entire commentary had sufficiently played out and that I was in possession of enough understanding, really, Shall we say that? I thought that maybe it would just be a case of fools rushing in if I was to rush to commentary. So I may do. I may do. We'll, sh- we'll see about that. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's primordial underscore nemthianga. You want to go to Patreon where I upload various other discussions, podcasts, writings, art. Go to patreon.com slash Alan Averill with two capital A's and without further ado here's Josh. Let me know what you think. It's an interesting rambling all over the place kind of discussion. It's also available as a video cast on my YouTube channel. Just search Alan Averill and there'll be more of those coming over the coming weeks as I rope in friends from far and wide to come and have a little chat with me right let's do it it's uh, it seems to be the preserve of this new emergent um what would you call them a non-working class to start a podcast you know
2: uh yeah exactly it's like uh, i i don't and then i think a lot of people get the idea that uh uh that they can just sit down and chat about their ideas and somehow it's going to be cogent and interesting and something that people want to hear, uh, let alone that, that p- other people are going to want to join in on it, let's say guests and what have you. And you know, I, had a, I, I did do a podcast for a, for a minute with Fox Sports, but the production support wasn't there and they failed on measures having to do with uh, holding up their end of the bargain. So I put a halt to it. But the difference between, say, episode one to episode six was night and day, you know, and and I've been asked to do podcasts since. But, you know, my thought is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Because I'm going to put a lot of time and effort into it if I want to, especially when people want me to talk about uh, more uh, maybe specific and deeper type things than just, you know, having a Raz or talking about fights or something like that, then research needs to be done. And if you're trying to stay up to date with certain with potential political or current things or what have you, mm. you gotta do your homework, otherwise you just come off like an idiot.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it's it is unusual. It's I understand now why most podcasts have like the sort of uh, the straight sounding board or something like this, a straight man or straight woman or whatever somebody talked to, because just mm-hmm. talking on your own in an, in an empty room for forty five minutes or an hour off the cuff is pretty difficult i mean i'm I found it easier maybe than most because I'm used to doing interviews for years and years but um I do have a kind of maybe like a sheet where I write a couple of words on it but sometimes I'm completely off topic but because I'm using a uh, garage band um, mm-hmm. I can do it's a bit easier to edit and because I'm sort of used to using that but yeah it's it's not uh an easy thing at all in fact to just speak off the cuff for 45 minutes or an hour you know
2: true and I think that's why you'll see um many of the the youtuber uh uh I I don't know what you would call it intelligentsia or commenters or what have you um they have the hyper edit style you know it's never it's who knows how many freaking takes it is and it things like it seems at times where you see something you think well that should just be one there shouldn't be any cut in that because you're basically, you're saying you're, you're still along the same argument, but it will be just oh, like a, a hyper cut uh, yeah. of, of how it's all put together. Although it's not necessarily uh, the hyper cut style of the, what was it? 90s MTV where they would hit you with like a, a shit ton of data in like five second bursts over and over and over and over again. You know,
1: I think it's probably, it's really, I suppose just because most people don't have, attention spans the same anymore, Uh, at least not on YouTube. But having said that there's plenty of people who will sit and listen to a one or two or even three hour conversation. I think that somehow speaks to um, not only how much time people are sitting at a screen, but I suppose how fundamentally uh, lonely a lot of modern living is that people need to hear the sound of other people's voices in that sense. You know, I mean, who would have thought that a two hour chat, Podcast format would have become so vague, you know?
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I also do see it as a bit of a throwback to an older way of radio where <laughs> there was a lot of um, content just created straight on there that was straight stuff like talking about this or informing about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know NPR likes to keep up that, that kind of uh, concept and maybe some of the other bigger media companies still use it that way. But, um, with YouTube, it has allowed a lot of people, uh, let's just say for one, one medium to get their ideas out there and through, you know, it's through that I've listened to all kinds of, um, uh, lectures yeah. from, on various things, politic, politics, economics, philosophy, uh, either university lectures or even old lectures from, um, you know, that were recorded somewhere or recorded from television, uh, some interviews and what have you, now being made available, like seeing even stuff from, uh, you know, old, old interviews of Huxley or Hannah Arendt or, you know, People or René Girard.
1: But it's, um, it's, uh, the algorithm is changing it though. I think slowly but surely, I, I would imagine YouTube wants to be more like netflix really and i think slowly but surely the algorithm will sift out smaller content or content that isn't um, used so often
2: it seems like it they also seem to be inundated now with the mainstream uh you know polis you know it's it's all cnn and fox and whatever and 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 disney and late night hosts the uh they're they're pretty much given um uh priority uh space in youtube to the point that they will get recommended into your feeds as much as possible and uh you you can listen to a political commentator and depending on how the algorithm decided who that person was and what they thought you got fox following it or cnn or bbc and and there's things where you can go look people up where they're if let's say they're speaking about a political or a, a um you know, uh, a more recent political uh, uh, occurrence or something like that, the mainstream sources were all, you know, maybe maybe there's a a YouTuber who has a massive amount of views and maybe was the first person to really talk about it, but they'll promote CNN and MSNBC and all this other stuff over the top of it as, you know, this is the source that you go to to listen to it, not this guy over here. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's obviously been a lot of, working in, in the background to help integrate mainstream media into youtube turn youtube into a more mainstream media looking environment and then you know the, the msm using youtube to try and recover lost viewership and add yeah. dollars
1: yeah it's i mean it's a it's a classic sort of divide and conquer really mm-hmm. idea or i suppose if you want to be more um, you know sort of Daft about it, it's really just if you can't beat them, join them. And they've definitely sort of bought their way into the platforms in order to manipulate the content in that direction, you know?
2: Yeah, and I would say that there's, with the internet, uh, one of the driving forces with it, besides just dissemination of information and connectivity, it was the ability for. Another open marketplace for people to shop their ideas, their products, their what have you, and the 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 opportunity for a true independent, uh, you know, individual uh, business or corporation or anything or just a simple just a a a person themselves to be able to carve out their own, you know, to use an overused term brand right so they can mm. you, you can create themselves from 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 start like even i guess uh, can't stand his music but justin bieber came out of youtube and he started you know putting all this stuff up there and whoever was helping him with that and then it, it launched him to a point that uh the, the major labels took notice now instead of him going and creating his own label off of that he you know he went the the mainstream route which you know can't entirely blame him but but now it seems like if YouTube is now, let's say, integrating into this, this mainstream presence, and instead of the backbone of what made YouTube so great, the ability for anybody to have an opportunity to, to put themselves out there in the world, now uh, the, the true independent content creator is being quashed <laughs> because they were proving to be too too successful and maybe too... Distracting from the the normal uh, 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 run- of the mill uh, paradigm of mainstream media
1: yeah well there did get to be an incredible amount of noise like so oh, for many, sure so much content all the time and, but I mean most people are by now probably tuning in to get their news from mm-hmm. um, from the internet I mean I, I, I mean I, even I have to admit uh, there's a couple of sites I'll open to check first of all I still out of um, I suppose habit will open BBC. Dot, you know, okay, whatever to have a look there. Although even I find some of their stories a bit compromised the last couple of years. But I'll open Tim Pool to go to wonder. Well, what's happening in the US? And i you, I will open it and then I'll go. Oh, you know, I'm subscribing to the same thing that I may often, I won't say accuse other people of doing, but of. You're Picking and choosing, maybe people that resonate in your echo chamber. Yeah, the,
2: yeah, the echo chamber problem. And I don't think. I definitely
1: don't think he's the worst. Uh, he he's not the worst offender in that regard. Uh, nor am am I. I think in reality, but at the same time, I am opening him to mm-hmm. see what some of the news of what's going on in the USA, and you have to kind of take that for what it is. Well, I think one thing that's important to. I mean, it's not.
2: It is. It is impossible not to have at least some, you know, some construction of an echo chamber, so to speak, but perhaps instead of uh, allowing yourself to construct an echo chamber, you just construct a, a, I don't know, a thatch hut, you know, (laughs) something that absorbs and instead of just reflects. And so therefore, if you want to keep adding sound into that room, you have to keep bringing it into it. And so I think it's important that if you have your sites or places that you've gone, where you've done the due diligence and you, you've seen their, their ability, their objectiveness, their trustworthiness, and their ability to admit their biases. Because if you know the bias of a source, it shouldn't really bother you to, to use it because you know what to expect for, you can discern the information and you can find the through lines. And uh, I remember a long time ago, um, I, I was searching and scouring The internet for around any story and it would take me to the furthest left the furthest right sides it didn't matter but I needed to find that went between them because I knew that if I went to one space I would only get the threat that what was important to them and the narrative they wanted to to, to speak from yet I knew that there was there had to be truth underlying pretty much every 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 way of, of uh, reporting on a story I, it's just that I now had to get all that truth from everyone else because the, the truth of a story that didn't fit the narrative that a particular uh, orientation wants will be left out will be discarded or buried
1: hmm. I mean that's the problem with I mean the, the, the fact that the modern news cycle became incentivized by like had a form of statistical incentivization which was then monetized is part of the problem of the insanity that we're in at the moment because yeah. you then had to compete with everything else uh, for clicks, which then, of course, marketing and advertising. And the whole thing just fed into this um, sort of unfortunate cesspit of noise. That, does that make any sense? I don't know. That we're yeah, in for sure. Just this, um everything is competing. So therefore I've been saying this the last while to people is that, you know, moderate man says reasonable thing. Nobody reads that headline or, Mm -hmm. you know, reasonable woman says moderate thing, whatever. Nobody reads that article because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to our innate desire for sensationalism or for the juicy secret or story that's, that's that we somehow desire, you know, and and that's the, somewhere in the mid to late 90s when 20, the 24 hour news cycle began and you began to realize that oh we can make the news the, mm-hmm. the public or you know or even you can still see it when they go and say well what is twitter talking about well twitter is well, as we know five percent of the pop, of uh, you know that's such a small percent of um yeah. the actual uh, voting public are active at any one time they create the, the the huge noise around a subject. than what I'm talking about, but I'm just thinking that the, the the statistical monetary incentivization of the news cycle is part of the reason why we're in such a terrible state culturally. I think I,
2: I agree, and and I it's could
1: have said it's, that question it's a, in one sentence. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: uh, I think it's also a combination of the lack of uh, of our aspect of honor culture anymore. So. Um, people are so more interested in their narrative worldview, um, their their conceptual worldview, versus uh, a more pragmatic or reality based worldview. Um, which means that you're going to have to be wrong as much as you could be right, probably more wrong than you are right, and also most of all, just you don't know, and it, and it's hard to know everything, and it's hard to have a re an answer for everything. But you know, I, I mean. I, I see this all as a, a sort of a, a multi-layered effect from stemming from the death of God, as Nietzsche has declared it, to, to broader and deeper uh, philosophical and spiritual metaphysical aspects that have now put man in a state where they're trying to create their own new true world theories uh, and no longer just looking for you know, heaven or Shangri-La or what have you.
1: But, well, I mean, it's all, but it's all compounded by, um, I I think that part of the problem is that uh, uh, just having some sort of emotional reaction to something has become a, how could we say it, you know, an article of faith as opposed to an object of reason. And that Mm -hmm. we're sort of, um, you know, we eschew the, Opinions of experts or people who've studied in the field and we've we've sort of decided that every opinion about everything Is worth as much as any other opinion and therefore even those who've Studied or who have experience in a particular field. It's why you'll get to see 60 year old professors um, debating 15 year olds on on the on the you know the the nightly news. You know it's. Um, I don't know. It's, to me. It's like some form of societal infantilism where we've we, we've sort of um, we're far less mature to reacting to statements of um, truth than we were fifteen or twenty or twenty five years ago. Uh, Maybe that's probably because these clicks that I'm talking about or the algorithm is driven by seven to 15 year olds. Most of the time. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: It's all Minecraft videos and, uh, and what the annoying orange, but Mm -hmm. I, I I was just actually talking to somebody earlier today about, um, I just, the way I see society, it's, it's, uh, it's the devouring mother archetype and, and from it, it is the creation of the pure eternus the the eternal child the eternal youth you know everybody's staying in an infantilized state
1: what Um, what do you mean by devouring mother archetype well
2: you know they're the in Jungian psychology they have a myriad of archetypes and there's the the devouring mother is the mother that never lets the kid from the womb and Mm -hmm. it just it protects to the point that it 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 keeps the the child in a state of childlike um process the whole time and so the idea is that eventually everybody all birds leave the nest you know you have to grow up you have to sprout feathers and wings and fly on your own um but if in the in the concept of the devouring mother archetype you you never leave the nest you're kept in the nest and that's that that halting of of emotional growth um damages uh individuals and oh, it, leaves them in a state of perpetual immaturity
1: yeah well i mean that's definitely um that's definitely an accurate reflection of most of what modern society is i mean you know it's and the, i think the the possibility of remote living as a future for many many people is going to compound that you know because mm-hmm. it's it's you can see this in i mean even people I know and relatives I have or whatever as idealistic college students. And then they leave and find out the real world doesn't uphold many of the same idealistic viewpoints, but they're encouraged to never leave though that idealism behind, um, at least not online. So I could, yeah, I can, I could sort of see how the, the sort of the online, um, how can we say the culture of online um, virtue signaling or whatever yeah. is never go- is going to only compound these things and never allow you to grow up. And the amount of people, you know, you've probably oh, yeah. the same thing when you've had a conversation with somebody, and you realize, oh, you've never actually heard someone say what I just said to you. Mm-hmm. They just everyone is just divided off into their small groups, you know. Well, and and to
2: see, you know, one of the things that's quite distressing to me is uh, one of the things I like to do when I have a conversation or even an argument with somebody is to ask questions. I want you to, to e- express your position and, and why and give me your support for that. I wanna know what it is, that you, how you feel and why you feel that way so that I can more appropriately understand and, and you know, maybe I'm misinterpreting and, or, or maybe I do fully disagree and, and I, but now I need to be able to present a, a, a reasonable argument that makes sense from what you're telling me. And and maybe throughout, through this interchange, I guess, you know, dialectic, now we come to a better understanding of the world and, and greater, let's say, truth, for lack of a better meaning. But people often, you, you ask them questions, you go, well, okay, they, you know, they'll make often a, a quite outrageous claim and you go, okay, well, why? Why do you feel that way? I mean, what is it that brought you to this point? And as you start asking these questions, you find that you get maybe get one or two questions in and that, that's it. There is no more underlayment for that position usually. And now all of a sudden, the the lack of being able to sufficiently support or answer, it's not even, I don't even know that it's just the fact that they feel like they could lose an argument. I think it's deeper than that. I feel like now the fact that they didn't know as much as they thought they did, they did They they hadn't, they hadn't worn the suit of this idea long enough, and deep enough, that now it puts into doubt their own sense making, not just on this, but what else don't they understand? The, the idea of, of un, the unknown or knowing less than you really thought you did is probably quite scary to people I and mean, usually encourages defensiveness.
1: Well, I think that like I think the concept of reaching consensus is something that I think is so lacking from modern society in the debate and when i see you know people screaming at each other from one Mm -hmm. side or the other and like i always i i kind of have a sort of mathematical or probably mildly autistic way of looking at it but if i think if politics is one to nine with five being the middle Mm -hmm. there are very few and if we say one is the far left and nine is the far right you know on the very extreme of either end there's very few people who are nine and eight there are more people who claim to be one and twos. But what I think has happened is that systematically this online sort of echo anti-chamber, whatever you want to call it, has allowed people the ability to destroy the four, five, sixes, which is where most people probably will sit. Three, four, five, six. The consensus and nobody wants to live in a society run by one or by nine. Mm-hmm. And so I think at the moment we're living through some rather strange period where people can claim to be one two three and call four five six, seven eight nine. If that makes any sense. Ah, uh,
2: well, you That's know like, that kind of reminds me of the idea that I've heard that uh, history is ever moving leftwards. Cthulhu always swims left. I guess is something that is said by uh, uh, one, one a section of of uh, uh, what are they? The, the the they call themselves the the neo reactionaries and. You know, one thing I I started to learn is the more I tried to understand politics, it was that I had to, I had to go and I had to listen to all the politics that I thought were bad, too, because there was something, everybody, and and the more I started to listen to it, first it started off with with communism, and I was like, well, I, 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 if you need to understand an argument, you need to read, you need to have the understanding, and then as the more I started to read and and try to understand even the the whatever ideas are considered the most terrible, I had to see what again, what what are what are the through lines? I mean, I figure that people don't just create most stuff out of nowhere uh, based on nothing. There's probably some grievance, some problem, some metaphysical issue, something that they're trying to approach. But often, you know, when you, if you get to the bad end of things, they take it and they run off into some direction, uh, some conclusion that is untenable, even if they think it's good, which they almost invariably always do. Every every horrible thing is done by someone who thinks that they're doing the right thing. And so if all these people could be thinking that they're doing the right thing, how, how could that be so? It can't be just so simple that they're just that dumb or evil or what have you. And so... But back to the idea that ever moving leftwards, I think that um, if you think of the left as exploratory uh, and I think I, I talked to you and, and Gareth about this was if it's exploratory, it's always going to continue to further grow and reach out. And if you think of the right as as traditional or like uh, basing, right, so it, it, it tries to keep itself where, where it already is. Um, which would invariably always lead to some sort of uh, agitation between the two. But I think that w- our ever want to be exploratory is how maybe the idea that things are always moving leftwards. Like It's like, once we get to one spot, how do we get to the next spot? And how do we get to the next spot? And how do we get to the next spot? And exploration isn't inherently bad in any way. And I think that in a, a, a happy, well-functioning medium, you have, a, a, let's say, a tradition, a base, to, to explore from and then you can explore as far as you want. And if you end up going somewhere that doesn't work or that, that is bad, then you can return back to something, uh, something that's a base to, to then explore some more. Uh, I think that human beings have to always try to look out towards the future to some degree.
1: I don't know. I think that uh, one of the problems is that the modern, the modern uh, let's say the, the right, if we call them, um, as in, it's easier for the, let's call it the new right, and I don't mean the far right, people who are just left, just right of center. It's easier for them to economically move to the left, but the new left, which is so concerned with um, identity and almost has a religious tone to its modern belief structure, it's almost impossible once you adopt the ideals of identity politics to move back into the center because mm. they become articles of faith instead of objects of reason. And I, I don't know whether I completely agree with things ever moving leftward, but I, I definitely think that um, a lot of it has all the hallmarks of like religious revival or something like this, you know, and that, and that is something that's really worrying and fascinating. It's one of the things I wanted to kind of talk to you about was that this kind of concept of like, when people say to me like oh you know that they, they talk about even colonialism or something like this in terms of original sin and mm-hmm. this is something in Ireland we heard from the catholic church for uh, a long time and if you believe you know this kind of these kind of concepts are yeah. religious and in, in their tone That's what i find the most worrying because I, I think most most people who are just trying to live and uh, Feed their children in this world are in the middle they're not they don't have time for the ones or the nines rea- in reality and i think that you know that i don't what the fuck am i talking about yeah there's this kind of like just a more uh, religious tone to the whole thing and and therefore mm. you can never reach moderate reasonable consensus because that's not what anybody wants to do anymore that, I don't know if that's No. I, yeah, no,
2: I mean I think that there is uh, again I really I really do believe in that 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 Nietzsche nailed it, you know, he he saw this coming from the fucking 19th century and he he pegged it immediately. But I also feel like um even Kierkegaard was on point about this necessity for leaps of faith and and these 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 deeper understandings uh, and and uh, Nietzsche understood it as well, which is why he said if you remove these religious aspects from people, it leaves a vacuum, a spiritual vacuum, so to speak. And, and I am not a, I'm not a God-fearing person in any way. So but you, think,
1: I, you think that these new ideals are the modern spiritual replacement for? Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: And, and, uh, you know, Eric, Eric and, and Brett Weinstein talk about this. Yeah. Um, uh, there's many people have brought up this, uh, well, all the people from Sokol Squared, which would be James Lindsay and Peter Boghossian and all them, uh, Helen Pluckrose, they also talk about that this is a religiosity. And it makes me think back on Sam Harris talking about how it seems as though there's a neural pathway in the brain that religion travels down and yeah. that it is, in, it is in every single person. Like this is something that grows in every brain. So your want for whatever you would, whatever religiosity is in a form will be within your head. It is. You are. You are pre-wired for it.
1: Yeah, I think so. I agree. I think that it's part of our genetic inheritance from our hunter-gatherer past, when we didn't know wha- how to explain lightning, so we gave mm-hmm. it a name—a you know, a zoomorphic—the uh, de- name of a deity or whatever. Which mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that's. I, I've been arguing this with friends of mine, who see an awful lot of the things happening in lockdown with the virus as part of some grand conspiracy. And I think that an awful lot of them, Mm -hmm. it's this search for an overarching narrative that Mm -hmm. is the inheritance of that part of us, that needs to understand. Because I most firmly believe that the truth is in the middle and it's often gray and it's chaotic and that there are multiple agents at play and multiple powers pushing in different directions. And I don't believe that everything has an overarching, arching arching narrative or plan. And I I think that the desire to uh, understand, the the desire to say that, well, this, you know, the the virus was created here and it was distributed here and Mm. all of these governmental institutions are part of some grand Machiavellian plan that they're not unveiling to us, is, it's impossible mathematically because there just is too many swirling, chaotic agents at play. At least that's how... I kind of see it, but I think that this desire for a, a narrative or a story is part of our hunter-gatherer genetic inheritance or something. Yeah, well, and with
2: things like the lockdown, you've got all these people now having to basically, uh, the way I see it, um, look in the mirror every day with who they really are. And, and you know there is that pattern of, uh, that allows you to just get in that, that rut and keep traveling that, that same circle every day. And not have to sit back and be more introspective or deal with your your perhaps your anxieties or things that are that need to be worked through and you can't can't just use your usual crutches to get over them uh, has been very difficult for a lot of people and with uh, uh, what was it something you said about um, uh, fuck, I lost it. but um, uh, people are have a hard time with being in the place of just saying, well, oh, you talked about things being gray and, and chaotic and, and conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Well, conspiracy also gives meaning to things. It's like the whole idea of saying that, well, you know, uh, Zeus sent the thunderbolt, not, you know, the charged particles in the atmosphere and what have yeah. you. Um, and so that, that's more meaning-making for people. So they feel like, oh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's explained by, by this phenomenon. When in fact, it's just really hard for anybody to truly just know all phenomena as they have, there's a reason for a you know to use a materialist view of where the virus come from, what does it do, what's its structure. I mean, there there is a, a necessity for that, uh, especially in in terms of thinking about you know global politics and like, well, fuck, am I gonna still keep hanging out with this guy if he's just gonna be negligent with with things that can wipe out my whole economy versus you know, thinking that uh it's a giant conspiracy put together by a giant cabal to make all their value drop. I mean, I don't know, but it, but there's also a spiritual component uh, that gets left behind where it's okay, well, this thing is happening, but what does that mean to you beyond how much money you make and what are you doing? I mean like so now your your shift in life, your focus is now is altered at least for now. What does that mean to you and people don't really seem just as much as they don't like the idea of just saying that they don't know where lightning comes from. Let's say if it wasn't knowable, they hate the idea of that. They couldn't, they they might not be able to know exactly the whole ins and outs of the COVID thing or the whole ins and outs of something else. Like to be in a state where they don't have a definite answer. They don't like the idea that maybe it's just a beyond you and and perhaps even what's true, what's not true now could be true later, or what's true now will be shown not to be true later. You know, truth often is, is contingent on, on the known
1: knowledge now and then future knowledge. Well, it's also, it's, it's, it's composed of so many different things. It's like I used to have this argument with, um, well, let's say a debate, friends of mine, about um, the migrant crisis, for example, in Syria. And you would say, well, part of this is also about um, the weather, Part of this is um, is uh, you know the movement of the desert and people moving from uh, the desert into the capital into Damascus who are a different mm-hmm. religion to the Alawites who then protest for bread and but the the origins of some po- form of that argument is well there hasn't been any rain um, and that's a deeply unsexy answer, so I always think of things like that as in percentages if there's if if, if a, an action is a hundred percent i as I think of it well, maybe the weather contributes to this and then there's this and there's this. And it's, it, it's, it's deconstructing every sexy black and white argument into the gray area, which is not, mm-hmm. so not what, like, coming back to what we were talking about 20 minutes ago, is so not what modern society wants us to do because no. this whole algorithm is designed to keep us apart and never actually reach consensus. consensus. And that's one of the things I find most scary about um, what's happening in the last few months is that um, the concept of even just, you know, raising your hand and going, well, hang on, there's a statistic about something. like just nobody wants to hear any of this. It's just pushing every, uh, making everything more polarized, and all it's doing is making the, 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 the platforms through which people are busy shouting at each other richer. You know?
2: Yeah, well, of course. Uh, never, never overlook somebody's ability to take advantage of, it, of an of opportunity. If whatever is incentivized, people will do, and so and And it's sad to say that there's a lot of uh, I shouldn't just say people, because it, you know corporations, while made up of people, are not always uh, steered by the the you know by everyone within it. but uh, understandably so. but um, the, you know there's, there's no, there is a a sense that from even someone like a Logan Paul, the YouTuber kid goes into a rioting mall situation is running around filming him it's just like what are you what are you doing? Or seeing pictures of people, videos of people getting out of a car at like a protest and, and then coming out, putting their sign up and then taking off. It's like you will you will Instagram influencer yeah. a, a moment of protest. I mean there people don't even I don't know I don't know that that some of these folks even seem capable of understanding the, the disingenuous aspect of that and why not even just the act itself in that one moment but that, that kind of through line in the way you operate in the world is just fucking terrible. Like it yeah. will not lead to, to anything beneficial not just for yourself but for others because if, if people are to be taken at their word but your word is nearly meaningless or is, is able to be uh, elastic Towards what you think your end goals are, well then, fuck! All you do is you create, un- you destabilize people's ability to orient themselves in the world based on the interaction with their. Friends.
1: But it's all part. It's all part of the sort of narcissistic amplification of of, of, of these. Um, that social. Yeah, well,
2: it can it can be commodified. That's the thing. It can be commodified. And it's not, it's kind of like a, it's not a coulda, it's a shoulda. Like, okay, yeah, you can, you can do a lot of things. You can, you can, you can build a product where you, you deliberately make it so that it fails after a certain point. So you have to buy more of it or you could just, or you could build a really great one. And while you won't sell as many of them, you put a better product in the world, you use less resources and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. I mean, it's just you see it all the time the the, you know everything is a trade-off and so people willing to trade off in integrity um i mean i i just i think that it's a it's a ever ever spiral downward spiral
1: Mm. well that's i mean that's part of that sort of mid 20th century or post somewhere between the, the between the first and second world war the sort of birth of the concept of Marketing and you know, giving people what they desired instead of what they needed, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't going to give you light bulbs that lasted 100 years anymore. That wasn't part of their, no. uh-uh. part of the
2: <laughs> although I do like the you, you know, you brought up the idea of original sin from a c- Catholic position. Um, I think that even you know, I don't, I hope this isn't too much of a tangent. Even the, the concept of original sin is a co op now, and that is the original concept of original sin is not the way original sin is being used anymore. Right. So the idea of original sin being imperfection, let's say, or, um, uh, the idea that with, with free will comes the ability to create, um, happiness and joy and pleasure, but also the ability to create mayhem and destruction and, and suffering in the world. And that you can create that suffering because you are an imperfect individual you know you are not a perfect being and so in reality you might you're probably creating your own suffering and you're creating suffering for other people and so the idea of an original sin to you know it gets i understand that catholics love rituals and shit so you got this idea of repentance and uh, i guess it could even be you know it'll vary between i don't know monastery and order to like self-flagellation to just you know you know confession or what have you but the idea of your of being reminded of your imperfection isn't necessarily a bad thing, mm. but then when you take and you start aligning ideas, like you are, you are born perpetually terrible, like mm. literally mountain, you know, with malintent and, and, and in malicious act and and belief. Now you've got something different. Now you're not just, working on betterment now you're already accused of being ter- of being a terrible thing being being something that's uh, uh not uh, broken not imperfect but broken
1: well that's what i that's what i've been trying to dig down into and think about and talk about for the last while people is that is that i mean personally i think say what i meant it in regard to original sin is the idea of intersectionality which i think is um, uh, a right. dead end and um, it, it because if, if we believe in inherited inherited guilt i was having this argument with somebody just yesterday i said well if you and you know this girl she believed in intersectionality i said well then does that mean is it retrospective are we allowed to say that um irish republicans attacking the united kingdom in the 70s and 80s were justified because their targets were um part of an intersectional uh structural oppression of Irish people that goes back hundreds correct. of years and she's just like what the fuck are you talking about? I said no just bear with me because mm-hmm. if you're saying you believe in it and that you know and we must all own, own up for our part of a colonial past and I said well I don't believe that because a I wasn't born then and I don't believe in inherited guilt and also I don't think the Irish had an awful lot to do with that and uh, she was you know of course and I said well if you belie- if you're correct then um, how do we view? Do we view in 1983 or 1974 all English people as justifiable targets to some degree because of their intersectionality with the past? Mm-hmm. That oppresses Irish very complicated, and uh, well, it's a very um, difficult thing to process. And I think it beca- it's because most people now in, involved in the concept of intersectionality are thinking of it in sort of micro aggressive terms. But the, the very great danger, I was trying to say to her with thinking like you're thinking, is that where this leads to is actual terrorism, you know? Yes, of course.
2: You know, they, they it's gave...
1: a thing, you know, but... Yeah, well, I mean,
2: if you... It, well, for, this this goes back to the not taking that line of... Taking their line of thought and running it down the paths to where, well you know, not not abstractly Uh, applying it further and deeper and further and deeper and and putting rigor to it so you anything that you want to sort of state as mantra motto something that you 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 feel is is something that you would you would keep as part of your ethos then you better fucking put it up to the test and Mm -hmm. you better put it through the rigors and and consistently Check against it all the time to make sure it still stands up, or if it needs to be altered, or if it doesn't apply in this scenario, but it does in that. I mean, this is this is an important thing about uh, you know this is part of what sense making is in the world, and if you're trying to be sincere again, but if you want to use it for an opportunity, especially if you believe, I mean, if it's intersectionality, then it's it's also got a, an aspect of postmodernism ran into it. Mm-hmm. So everything is just a a a. a a series of of things having to do with power, and it goes into this manichean structure where it's either you power or not power, and then you know it also even begs a question: okay, well if everything's manichean, well once once you inverted it, now now what? That puts you in the, the, the place of the, the the oppressor now. You're the, you're the oppressor, right? And it's like, well, no, it doesn't work that way. Well, how does it not work that yeah. way if everything is a is just a power struggle? From the way I speak to you and the, the way I, I don't know the clothes I wear everything if you want to reduce everything to just a, a series of power games with no objective way of viewing truth in any sense then fuck you know where do you where do you end up with but yet you want to come at me with with very uh, usually uh, radical ideas that have endpoints yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just has endpoints in the way that you think they should be which yeah. is like you said very dangerous path to walk
1: and also because it what it does is it makes everything a zero-sum conversation and as Mm -hmm. i would say to somebody else uh well if you've set out this this argument in a way that is impossible for me to either have leverage in the conversation or to win uh well then i'm never gonna cede ground to you to you just to just, just to say okay well you're intrinsically evil because you know you're a white male or whatever and therefore you can't take part in this conversation it's like well if i'm not going to take part in this conversation you know and you've made it a zero-sum game not just intellectually but um you know in in very real um academic senses then what's the purpose we might as well tear it down but we'll try and i'll try and tear it down on my terms right Um, yeah Therefore, it just creates even more conflict because it doesn't make any it just doesn't make any intellectual sense to me, you know, because what it's done. Why why create enemies where they
2: don't exist to begin with? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, it negates any sort of personal experience in relation to these things that you can't, you can't speak to that because you are not this thing or experience that thing. Okay. Well um, then none of us might, none of us might as well learn about anything or go to college or travel, speak another language or well, and if you're talking
2: like intersectionality or like uh, James Lindsay likes, he calls it critical race theory um, or any any sort of sect of critical theories. And then you have uh, Jordan Peterson. He, he uses the mouthful of postmodern neo-Marxism, which I, I usually tend to use because I, I see the, the philosophical uh, roots in some of this stuff. But, um, you know, when people are often using this sort of stuff, they they have – they have an end goal in an in, in idea for you and they also have exceptions that which is part of the reason it makes this whole kind of process this kind of thinking so i don't to me just like um inherently flawed and, and, and unworkable but you know they'll say something like um, i remember a couple of years ago it was the wulin dog festivals in mm. china were just like this huge outrage all over social media Man, people were losing their shit seeing Dogs being boiled alive and burned and all this kind of crazy stuff for this, this yeah. dog eating festival happening in China. And then last year, I think it was. Now that, the of course the, it comes around again and, and you you see these posts, you know, people decrying of what what a terrible thing it is from one side, and then now people coming in saying like, don't you can't say that that's you know you're. Demeaning someone's uh you know uh indigenous or or not not indigenous you're you're demeaning their their. you're you're playing uh uh what is it uh cultural uh appropriation uh, no it's it's a you're you're uh, you're i can't think of the word but you're you're basically weighing culture against itself and that's incorrect and you you can't tell them how how to live their life and what's appropriate for them but it, it's simply based on a concept of the assumption that right. if you're in the West that you're, you're somehow of some, again, that original sin and therefore they're a, a person uh, of, of color. Let's say if it's intersectionality yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, okay, that, that's exceptional. It, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to them. And so you have like, is it okay to boil dogs alive before mm-hmm. you eat them? Am I, I allowed to make that comment or, and say that I don't agree with it? Yeah. I mean, we, or we have- am I a racist and, and uh, some sort of a, uh, uh uh cultural absolutist or whatever that that if if i it's just i it's a conundrum i think
1: a lot of people it's a conundrum we all find ourselves in and and you saw this when which was um you saw this compounded in you know trump calling it the china virus this that and the other Mm -hmm. i had this discussion with again with another friend and i said well you do realize that the political party that's in charge of China right now is the same party who are in charge in the Great Leap Forward. And then it was like, what's the Great Leap Forward? And I went, oh, well, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, you, and you know, 2030, whatever it is, 40 million people uh, dead, that maybe that might, you know, color your, shall we say, color your palette a bit more intellectually rather than just being worried about but I get it there, you know, everybody's just trying to win and get the sound bite and it's just not yeah. possible to- uh... People are
2: trying to win. People are trying to win at, at everything all the time and win over things that don't need to be won. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, and you'll know it as someone uh, who's, who's probably seen even more of the world than I have, but being in the world uh, in the Heideggerian sense and, and also just in the literal sense changes everything. Uh, being in all these different places and seeing all these different people and different cultures and different things, and seeing the, the the seeing how people are more alike than they are different, how uh, the, the the spiritual through lines, the cultural through lines, all the kind of stuff, uh, the the variance in architecture, the the mimicry that also turns into a new aspect. It just to me, I was talking to somebody, and they said something. About, well, you know, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to live forever and I said I don't know if I'd want to live forever but I'd like to be able to live as long as I wanted to and then they go how long would you live I go fuck I don't I don't think I could see and do everything in even 500 years I'd I'd probably have to live like maybe at least a thousand fifteen hundred and they're just like why would you want to do that And I go I don't know how anybody with the wonderment and the amazement of the world Hmm. wouldn't wouldn't want to you know I know that there's plenty of suffering out here And terrible things that do happen, but there's so much amazing shit that, uh, to think that there's no way for you to even scratch the surface of it in, in an 80 year lifespan.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's a little depressing. Yeah. Maybe. Well, especially now since we can't go anywhere, but maybe maybe become a Buddhist and hope for a good deal out of reincarnation. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps. And, and, you know, everybody being cooped
2: up is definitely playing big into the, the more, um, uh, more extreme elements of reaction. I mean, yeah, there are political uh, bad actors and that are always looking for an opportunity to, to turn something from, from a, from a shout to a blaze. But Mm -hmm. even still now people are, I think whether they know it or not, it's an opportunity for them to get outside. Yeah. Right. They can jump outside and they can do something that they find that they, they, they think is meaningful. And it, it, I mean, you can't find something more uh, motivating than something that someone finds meaningful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I found it fascinating that two weeks ago, um, the same people two weeks ago who were screaming at supposed um, rednecks for wanting to break the you know the lockdown were the first people out were the first people out uh, yeah. on street to, uh to protest this, and it seems like all oh, right, okay, so. Obviously, the potential viral spike of you all gathering as thousands mm. in the city center that might kill more old people um, because of your action. Well, I think statistically, you could say. Well, yes.
2: No, I'm saying that. Yeah. It, I mean, you have. We at least know that there is a. Uh, I don't know. A, a class of people that is most um, at risk. Uh, yeah, most at risk for it. You know, I have a friend, a, Scot- a Scottish uh, woman whose dad is doing some security stuff for something and she is a cancer survivor so she's worried that as a um, uh what is it leuke- uh, not looking uh, as a uh uh chemotherapy uh, uh patient from yeah. from previous she's in that high risk and yeah. so she's got a legitimate concern yeah and uh you know to even barely touch on the fact that stuff about the virus has been politicized so much that when it comes to the most important aspect of, of data gathering and trying to, to, to create, uh, useful models and predictions, you know, how the fuck can we get anywhere if you want to politicize it? You know, uh, I don't, you know, Trump is a, as obnoxious and, and blowhardy and whatever as you, you know, blow as much as he wants. He says hydroxychloroquine is great, wonderful. It's bigly, fuck whatever. Hmm. Then someone comes out and goes, oh no no, it kills people. It's uh, it's actually terrible. It, it heart problems and all this. And now just what was it last week? That shit's like nope. Turns out that study had was done on it, it was bad science, and they it's not capable of making the claims that it did. And I'm like, this just feels like it was all political just to be like, no, fuck you, you big orange idiot. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't care if he's a big orange idiot. It's not about him. I don't give a fuck about him. I want to know what, what, can I, what can I understand. And, and some of my friends who are way smarter than me who've been, who've been tracking this kind of stuff and trying to make, make sense of, of things around the virus, I want them to be able to get this information yeah. and, and know... and and be able to make better predictive models and have better understandings. You know, it's like, okay, Neil Ferguson in the UK. Yeah. You fucked up, man. You used bad science, bad statistics. And you know, if you want to go see him get shredded, go, go on Nassim Taleb's uh, Twitter feed and watch him just tear that fucker apart. But okay. Say you fucked up, say it was bad. Or maybe if he knew it in the first place, you never should have done it. But that's another thing. If you think you're going to get notoriety and some sort of power out of it, some sort of, advancement and position then people will just fucking do it and and the thing is sometimes especially with the idea of viruses in in relation to pandemics it's bigger than all your politics it has to be for sure it has to be
1: yeah no there's no doubt about that i mean i just found it quite unusual that we we had no real historic precedent for quarantining the healthy um i understand that what happened in italy kind of scared all the governments into into lockdown, I, I understand that. And for three or four weeks, I think it was reasonable. But I have a bad feeling that in a year's time, this, is, this pandemic is going to be remembered on economic terms, not on health terms. Because we're in a holding pattern now, I think. And once, like then people, are, I think their governments are so worried about reopening society, or basically mm-hmm. pulling the bandage off to reveal the wound, that I think we're looking at tens of millions of people unemployed um, and that this, this next six to 12 months is going to be an economic free fall, you know?
2: Yeah. And if you think people uh, just being stuck in their home or just the general spiritual malaise that I see in the modern West and how, you know, this, this sickness within in, in our, in our core, our lack of meaning making and sense making, uh, if you think it's bad when people are actually still going to their jobs, uh, like robots, and and they still lack this meaning. They're still in this nihilistic state. Now think about how it's going to be when they don't have these jobs, and when their friends don't have jobs, and their friends' friends don't have jobs, and it's you know now you you've still already you've already got this 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 even deeper uh, uh, you know issue of modern society still at your core. But now even the distractions aren't there as much. You know, uh, fuck. It's going to really create a lot of uh, turmoil, uh, psychically and you know materially, when people go out and if they if they happen to 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 do any more particular damage to the world around them.
1: I I I kind of uh, there's one part of me that feels that um, that while I agree with that, that I do actually think that what is going to happen is could potentially be um, very positive for community. And for national sovereignty in the face of the broader globalist um, agenda, in the sense that Mm -hmm. nothing like a pandemic to show you the worth of being in control of your borders and not signing the rights away to unelected Brussels bureaucrats on the first hand. But also, on the other hand, is that this is going to gut the middle class. It's going to gut the, and all of the trinkets and toys and decadent indulgences they have been. you know using for the last 10 20 25 years and this is going to create i think a new actual working class um like newly working class and i have a feeling that um there's going to be maybe short shrift given to some of the um indulgences that people have taken for granted for the last while. I, i might be completely wrong but i actually think that there might be some good things in the sense of um Community that might come out of it, or else we could just descend into civil war. It?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a, yeah. Community, or we burn each other. We're trying to burn each, everybody's house down. Yeah, uh, but
1: when Europe was poorer in the 80s, for example, I mean, it was a grim, a more grim time living in the shadow of the Cold War and stuff. But I do get the sense that the sense of community among working class people was stronger, and that definitely they weren't saddled by such huge personal debt, and at least they maybe it's romantic I don't know shared what they had or at least and this is going to create a whole new working class or use used useless class whatever you want to call it useless I don't mean that in a derogatory sense but right we're gonna to have to try and find a new sense of meaning and maybe this is the grand leveler that society maybe needed I don't know I mean could be I mean I
2: I, I tend to think that, you know I know everybody's real hot on on always uh uh quoting Orwell which I think is relevant in a lot of ways but I really have seen this as huxley this is this is brave new world more than it's 1984 because Mm. who needs to put a boot on your neck if they can just keep giving you soma and luxuries and Mm. you know why would you bother why would you bother fighting back because to fight back would would be to remove yourself from this this level of comfort and you you know you just wouldn't want to do it
1: but isn't this the end of that comfort because Mm. in a sense maybe that um things are going to be, I think that when they, I think, I agree in the sense that I think the West has, had become very, uh, we always believed that these kind of things always happened in other continents and other countries. Yeah. Now we're actually going to be going through a pivotal historical moment of um, difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. of emergency, whatever you want to call it. And now people are going to have to recalibrate um, the things that are important maybe. And, i don't know if they can um you know indulge the same things as they did before because it's just not going to be possible i don't know you know i mean surely yeah. i was arguing yeah. oh i was arguing my friends who who are like oh they want you know societal control and this that and the other and they they want you know war between different factions and i always go well surely they actually want a placated fat comfortable um yeah. working well-fed society who just soma soma's their way through life, I don't know if they want agitators and street violence and civil unrest, because even, no. the, even the walls of the highest gated community can be scaled, you know.
2: Well, right. And, you know, or, even even the, the, the radical uh, anarcho-communist types, I mean, they, they want to tear everything down just so they can then make it the way that they want it to be. And then just, leave, you know, and then you know, as if somehow when that they're devoid of the pitfalls of being fed soma of themselves, you know, they're a part of this society. And so, you know, we're in denial if we think that any one of us is somehow beyond the, the softening of our edges through mm. the, the easier aspect of modernity. And, you know, even, you know, we, we overlook what's a, what, what is available even at the lowest levels of our society now compared to where it was, say, 50 years ago. Yeah. And it's kind of a like, well, a, what have you done for me lately? Idea mentality, or a you know, um, well, I can do this, but that other person has that. You know, there's a, a ton of resentment, as, as Nietzsche would say, you know, not just resentment, but this this deep, destructive terror, uh, uh, envy to the point of resentment, resentment where, where you cannot ever find a fulfilling aspect of anything you get because you'll always be resentful that there isn't that that there could be something more or somebody could have something that you don't or you know it's it's i guess it's uh mimetic desire gone gone mad Mm. you know um but uh yeah i i mean through calamity humans change Mm. right so through all of this i mean it's been good to see people reaching out to one another more conversing more. I know I personally have, have tried to, to be, well, because I'm not running around all goddamn day long trying to take care of a million things. I I'm talking to people and reaching out and spending more time, mm-hmm. um, trying to check in on people. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, that's a necessity, you know, this ability for us to, to isolate ourselves off and then just yell at apps for services all the time where, even though they're being prepared and delivered by people, they're just, they're just, we don't see them as people anymore. You know, the mailman is not somebody that is a person who comes around and is doing a job just like everybody else is doing a job. No, they're just a service that shows up. You know, your, your healthcare is just, I want to be fixed. Now do it for me as cheap as possible. Okay, great. Go away. I don't ever want to talk to you again. I don't want to have to see you. And so it's like, well, you know, that's a person too. So, I mean, at the very least, try to reconnect at least with, with the fact of we're, we're all tribe and community of a, of a sort. You know, I remember at, at the lowest points of my life as far as finances and being a professional athlete I, in a very dangerous sport, being a fighter, my health care was having personal relationships with doctors and letting, them, letting me pay them directly and working it out and having just, just that relationships, you know, we're built on relationships and people don't want relationships. They just want satisfaction. They yeah. want service delivered. And you can't, you can't keep that up. And eventually as we see, it starts to deteriorate at your, 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 your core or your, your spiritual core. And I keep using the word spiritual because I can't figure out a better way to describe that thing that miasma that kind of that element you know, the soul whatever that we can't materially define you yeah. know it just you know i i could hear someone else sing uh lame with the wolf but it doesn't mean it's it's not going to have the same soul as the way you sing it which isn't mm-hmm. necessarily to say it's going to be worse or better or anything but it can't have the same it, it, it wasn't sung from you and even then if you sing it tomorrow and then you sing it on saturday and then you sing it two years from now it's still going to have different elements of whatever your soul is going through at the moment that mm. wasn't when you wrote it and who knows right you know we are a ever uh slightly you know a morphing being
1: yeah i mean it's a, there's definitely a, a lot I, I i do agree that there's um a definite uh spiritual malaise a sort of soul sadness a sort of soul sickness in mm. the in western society that at least it's it's lost any belief in any of its core tenets any of the ideas of the enlightenment or the you know any, even any belief in itself as a concept it just definitely seems to be spiritually redundant and it's been yeah. replaced with i think um a hype a sort of a. Uh, an examined hypersexuality that isn't that is is unhealthy. And I think it's been replaced by decadence and materialism and, you know, and oddly enough, um, well, not oddly enough at all, but it's as lots of the um, lyrics and songs and that kind of thing have tried to deal with this, getting a handle on the sort of malaise, you know, Mm. Um, but there's no doubt that there's, a lot to be lost from um, just putting all your eggs in there, as you say, um, all your eggs, come on, in there, you know, in this form of, I'm not going to say degeneracy, but this kind of just selfish, narcissistic. Yeah, it it
2: is very much selfish and narcissistic. What it is, it's a... We threw out out all the
1: good aspects, you know. What we hear about now is, oh, how you know, racist our ancestors were, or my grandparents, this, other. that, and you go, well, actually there were some great things, they, they weren't, but there was some great things from the fifties and the sixties or whatever that we've just thrown away, you know, um, which are, which are things like sense of community and that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't, uh,
2: just damn everything and, and and every aspect. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, I I could sit around and and you know hate I don't know I hate communism right, but what what good is that if I don't understand it and also don't have, don't even bother to look at to see like well what's their grievance I bet you I bet you they have a grievance that other people have the same grievance and yeah. you know I, I look at you know and maybe the, and the way that they see how that that prescription to that okay I don't agree but the fact that they see the grievance, you know, Mark's taking a look at the, the meaning being in on things more than on other more valuable aspects. Sure. But I, it doesn't just take him to see that. I mean, many philosophers have said it and, it's, and you can use decadence and, and what have you. But I, I think we could simplify it down to um, it's instead of meaning, it's dopamine, it's serotonin, it's the it's the chemical receptors that give you that that hit of good good feelings and good vibes uh, mm-hmm. what have you but instead of you know things that are really meaningful aren't always fun no right and nope. you know uh, I know it's weird for people to think like how the why do you like fighting and I and I try to explain it to people and, it, and at least it to to one of the simplest things I can say is like it is the most meaningful thing I can do yeah. and it brings me closest to meaning as a human. And mm. they're like, I don't see how that could be. You know, this guy's trying to kill you. And I just go, well, I think on the edges there between life and death is where you find true living, you know, it's mm. the idea of building your Mount, your homes on the side of Mount Vesuvius
0: yeah.
2: fucking uh, if, if eternal recurrence is a, is a, is a, is a true thing, then I want to be able to go through my life over and over and over again. I want to be happy when I, when I, when I'm pushing the, the boulder up the hill as Sisyphus. Yeah. I, I don't, um, and that's, I know that it's easy to say and really hard to do. And it, it's taken me, it's taken me a whole lifetime to even realize why I liked fighting so much yeah. at all. Like just the whole act of it. Why did it even resonate to me? It's not wasn't just about causing harm to others or fighting for your life or what, you know, it, I had to, I had to peel it apart to try and understand it because if this was going to be such a big thing to me, I needed to know that, and I think this is things that are just very difficult for, for people to do, and whatever circumstances, in my case, allowed me to explore it in a, in a, in a way that was as, was healthy enough to get to this point. Yeah. But I think I was starting to get on a, a sidetrack. One of the extensions of this is that uh, I think one of the, the bigger overall things that isn't being talked about is with the current protests and things in America, you know, there's the talk of racism, mm. but I think there's something that people aren't tapping into, and that is, and you talked about the the lack of faith in, in the, the West as a as an idea and other and, and other spiritual elements. There's lack that lack of faith is extended onto that the state apparatus now. Mm. Because and normally how it things used to be to my understanding is that the police were more uh, an extension of the citizenry that worked under the state apparatus. Yeah. Obviously, we proxy out our violence in a rule of law society, but the police and the citizenry are have grown into a, a great chasm, and yeah. people see the 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 police as the most direct involvement with the state that they ever have. The police write you tickets and arrest you and do this and do that and 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 make you aware of the state apparatus. Like, why do like,
1: you think? <laughs> Why do you think that 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 relationship has deteriorated so badly? Is it a homeland security uh, issue or a a, a, a post-Iraq um, hangover or something like this? Like why? Like when did the police become adversaries to the public as opposed to um, the they being there to help them? I I have often asked. I, I don't
2: I don't know. I, I think that it's been a patchwork thing where. In the major cities, I think that maybe as far as the points in the, maybe the 50s and 60s, especially during the civil rights era in America, mm-hmm. that the police became more more known as a seen as a state apparatus and an expression of of of, of the state on the people yeah. than being about the securing of 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 uh, you know life, liberty, and happiness and enforcement of rule of law. Um, but that necessarily wouldn't, I don't think in the 60s, that wouldn't necessarily be in Montana or, you know, maybe uh, Redding, California, someplace up north. You know, it would vary from place to place. And always, of course, the major metropolitan areas are always going to have more, uh, uh, more, more. things going on of a greater collection of people um, and and just what problems they have are going to be more greater, varied, and often uh, more amplified. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you get the protest in a a major metropolitan area, you get more people, more people, more stuff, more opportunity, more opportunity for bad actors to join in Mm -hmm. to try and devolve a crowd into a, into a, into a frenzy instead of a, instead of a, a protest. I mean, which people, I don't think they, you know, it, it's again back to Nietzsche. Uh, a, a, a man has his own mind, but when he j- goes into a crowd, he he gives he throws it away and takes on another. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the idea that uh, madness in an individual is rare, but in crowds it is it is common. Yeah, so, yeah. and then even reading stuff from Edward Bernays, who is as we talked about advertising, he's really famous for group psychology and and how that relays into. Um, using the subconscious needs and wants of people to tell them what they, what they need instead of, or what they want instead of what they need or even changing what they think they need. And so it doesn't really take a whole lot No, because to, it, to, to get a crowd to twist, you know? I
1: mean Is it like you've got, uh, you've got sort of an, you know, righteous protest, which then turns into right, which then turns into looting and there are three different things. And I think there's three different sections or of society who are looking for to be involved in each one Mm -hmm. and um, trying to separate them. I mean, I was just watching some people there online and they were, you know, screaming at these, you know, white kids trying to fling things through Starbucks window. And they were just going like, hey, we got to clean this up after you guys Mm -hmm. leave and go back to the suburbs kind of thing. Um, We all got to live here
2: too, you know? And if you destroy it, it, it's gone. Like it's broken, Uh, there's nothing to be done about it. And I think even the people that are not, that didn't show up to loot or be bad actors i think that you know you see you're seeing more an expression of this class of meaningfulness and people will talk they're going on and on, and on about the looting i'm like okay yeah i can i can see it i mean that's that's not hard to see mm. but i go what are they stealing
1: mm.
2: and they, well, well they're stealing a bigger tv they're stealing you know luxury items shoes and bullshit, and, and like, uh, this shop, uh, down the road on Melrose had a bunch of fancy, uh, there's this artist, Cause, he has, like, these, uh, I don't know, figurine things, and there was a bunch of these ones in there, people were going in there, and, and stealing a bunch of those, you know, broke open the thing, and I'm just like, what does that, I mean, mm. what does that really give you, I mean, and, and, and in one sense, I would think, okay, maybe, if you saw an organized group of people, hit a place, steal things very specifically because they're going to fence them, right? They're thinking, okay, I'm going to, it's not just the, oh, I'm on the come up, right? I just got a new who gives a shit, bullshit piece of material item that really isn't going to do much for you in life versus, okay, we're deliberately going to make money off of this. We're going to be opportunists for or a bigger picture, a grander scheme idea. Okay, well, you know, I, I'm not into people stealing anything, or but it just does that you mean you can
1: understand that. Or does it just happen to be, I'm here in front of this right now, let's smash it.
2: Yeah, maybe, and that too, you know, once it starts going, it's like, oh shit, a man uh, loses his mind and takes on another. And, um, I and, think- and, you know, I see like people stealing the TVs and the, it's just this, this dumb stuff. It's like, okay. Uh, did you, did you really need a bigger TV? How's, how, did that really make your life better? I mean, mm-hmm. wanting, uh, you know, it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, to me, it's just an extension of this, this looking to fill things with things instead of meaning. And, you know, and they all, all these people know that there is a problem with their state apparatus and accountability, and the police is the most direct thing they can interact with here and the thing that directly interacts with them the most. But, it, you know, deep in their hearts, they know that they're city councilmen, they're fucking senators and representatives and all this. They can do shit and they're not held to, held to the same standards that we are when we get parking infractions mm-hmm. or, God forbid, you accuse me of, of trying to spend a counterfeit $20 bill and you and your buddies, you know, plant me in the ground to the point that I die. It's like, OK, well, how about when you fuck up the water in Flint, Michigan? Hmm. and you leave all these people fucking stranded without water how how about you take you own up to that and and if you were incompetent and negligent to the point of prison sorry i mean that's just that's to me what you take on when you take on the role of being a public servant like that it yeah. comes great responsibility but people aren't held to the responsibility
1: um, um I, hope, I mean it sounds like a huge question but what can be what can be done to sort of redress some of this craziness? I mean, is it just as simple as for a start trying to get rid of Trump or what? You know,
2: I, I keep telling people there's no voting out of this. Hmm. There is no voting out of this. It I will mean, not use the alternative you can, you can, you can vote in someone else. That's fine. They're going to keep the same fucking kicking the can down the road. Now they will probably I almost guaranteed they'll be more elegant and they'll be more TV proper and they'll they'll represent a politician in the way that you But expect. they might
1: not be but they might not be like a lightning rod for polarization in the same way. You know, but it's, it's sure. obvious by now that it's it's obvious by now that like at least it seems to me that okay the you know the, the 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 fuck you that he represented fair enough but like you know by now I can see with things unraveling that if you obviously elect a clown and expect a circus as the t-shirt slogan says
2: yeah yeah, I, I, fuck, dude, I I don't know other than the only thing I can think of is the act of individual personal responsibility and mm-hmm. then the ability to be the drop in the water that sends the ripples outwards to then, as you interact with everybody else in life, set the example and continue to be the example to, to encourage others and hold other people to it, hold people to their word, and, and yet and yet also... St- Don't be out there trying to be like, I'm better than you and I'm going to shove it in your face, but be more to the point of, hey, man, anyone who gets anywhere fucked up along the way and will fuck up again. And to have I'm not into this whole empathy thing, because I think that's been misconstrued and people have taken something and turned it into a buzzword instead of thinking about the actual psychological ramifications of empathy, especially empathy in in a world where you are now connected uh, mm. in a way like by by proxy to a bazillion amount of people with all their stories and basically all their personas and any emotional content that can come with that you start taking all that on in an actual empathetic sense you'll go fucking nuts yeah yeah and just- i think you're you're seeing that uh especially with uh, social media but
1: i think a better word is altruism and that you actually act upon it as opposed to you know, an emotional state, I think would be um, more, uh, give people more providence or more um, mobility if there was altruistic action as opposed to empathetic action. So I, 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 not really, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the word is overused and a little bit empty because it's just mm-hmm. really an ideal. It doesn't really enact much change. You know, you don't really get I read equ- a, an
2: interesting book on it called uh, Against Empathy. And it's uh, by the psychologist, and, and he's not saying that empathy is a bad thing or you shouldn't have it or use it, but he just starts defining the difference between empath- like different types of, like, there's a couple different types of empathy and uh, rational sympathy, and how these processes work uh, through, um, I believe, like uh, brain imaging, all these different things, and, and what, you're, what you're doing when you're being empathetic uh, uh, of the I wish I could remember the both types of empathy. Or sympathetic and and how, how these things affect the way you react to these things and that you know, empathy is emotionally draining it, yeah. it, it is taking on the the emotions the which could be the pain in, in most sense the pain and the suffering of other people onto yourself and yeah. now you do that every day all the time and everything you see holy shit you're going to feel horrible (laughs) and you're going to think the world is horrible. And for, you know, probably for some sort of evolutionary biological reason, we react to this negative stimuli so much more positively than we do to positive stimuli. It's like you said earlier, moderate man says moderate thing doesn't do anything for anyone. And to be honest, positive man says positive thing often isn't really useful to people either. It's The negative response, which gets our engagement uh, far greater than the positive. And, and, you know, be that as it may, if you want to say it's from an uh, evolutionary sense, we can make a choice to do to, to, to not do that way. You know, we can make a choice to 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 react more to positivity and to put more positivity out there and to, and to even try and give more positivity to people mm. than it is to uh, to to bring negativity in here. Well, for and, sure, uh,
1: I I totally agree, and I think for sure um, I'll sort of try and wind it up now a bit, but I think that. For sure, part of this is consensus as well it's the It's, to, it's the try and bring disparate groups of polarized people to try and have a conversation at least with each other and meet in the middle because i don't, like i said i don't think one anybody wants to live in the state run by the one or the nine um, and no. they, they really don't and um, the, the, the the attempt to reach some form of consensus is is one of the things that we've built our society on but it seems like some you know people are really hell-bent on trying to tear that like down to the ground you know um but i know i I would definitely agree with that that uh, you know rather than the emotional state of empathy it would be better to have to enact um forms of altruism or um something that's less I suppose just something that has more agency in the world, you know
2: yeah, I mean, and that's really important too, is that even with everyone you interact with, try to and and for me as a, as a coach and a mentor and all these things, I always try to do as much as I can to instill as as not just instill agency but instill the the, the understanding that they have it, that it's a choice to make, and that they must continue to make that choice and with more agency and more freedom comes more responsibility, and that's just. That's there is no other way that I can figure that seems to help people orient themselves in the world better, other than to to know that they are and an, they themselves are capable of 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 creating action and reaction, yeah. and it's up to them on how they want it to be and uh, you know, I guess, and from that, you know, I said, you can't vote a lot of these problems away. we just can't. But if we can figure out a way to, let's say, and on a national level, let's just speak, um, create a a, a a nationalism, which is about a nation, a nationalism, a nation where the person next to me behind me in front of me, we're the nation. We are unified and we won't agree on everything, but we are unified in wanting to have a better place for all of us to be able to achieve what we want to have out of it. And if we can be more unified in a cultural sense, um, then then we can try to start tackling the issue of how do you deal with the state apparatus when it doesn't want to be accountable you know because being accountable means ah shit i could lose my job my power my money my what have you and and where that self um uh, i don't want to just say selfish this 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 um self-derived need overcomes the need of 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 Creating the best nation state you can for its citizens mm. to be able to flourish and, and have the, the most mundane, simple, happy life that they can have or simple, meaningful life. I should say happy is a stupid Marcus term to use Marcus or to Marcus. have the, the grandest Elon Musk, crazy, meaningful life that is mm. very rich know, has a lot of money and things and whatever. But at the end of the day, that whether you're you're at the one end of the spectrum or the other, that you have that meaningfulness and you're not you know, one step away from being fucking stuck behind an eight ball, you can't get out from behind. Yeah. you know.
1: Well, that sounds like a very good note to uh, end things on, sir. It's been an hour and 20 minutes or so.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's a pretty good way to end it. I think that that's what it is, is that you just to try and move people towards um, discussing things and, Bringing out the best elements of their character, I guess you know. Yeah, help people flourish. People
2: have not just uh, inherent or people don't just have always um, things that you notice right off the bat as far as positive traits, attributes, and skills. But there's always a a iceberg effect. You know what they might be good at that you can notice now. Perhaps underneath that that water level, there's a whole shit ton of potential just Mm -hmm. waiting to be unleashed if we can create the right environment to allow them to 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 try and develop it you yeah. know and yeah. even and even if they never become and if they're not famous or rich or whatever but that 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 won't be the thing that that they'll think in terms of they didn't succeed but in fact let's say they did something that that really just fucking meant something to them yeah. well, and they- that you you can't take it away from them it was like this stoic uh philosopher which i could remember which it wasn't seneca i know that it might have been epictetus but he said, basically, no one can take anything, of, you can't take anything away from me because basically everything's in, within. You know, you, you mm. can steal my things, you can kill my body, you can do whatever, but you can never destroy my, my meaning, my, the things that matter most to me because they're, they're, they're a part of my person.
1: Hmm. Well, I think that that's a rather good stoic way to end the conversation, <laughs> sir.
2: Yeah yeah oh yeah let's tune into the uh, podcast with the with the with the heavy metal uh singer and and songwriter and then you've got the fucking fighter heavy metal guy and they don't talk about metal at all.
1: <laughs> well that's what I think that's what I think people are going to like about it. Listen it's uh, been a total pleasure sir again as always and um yeah. I'll let you know when it's going to go what you're going to what's it going to do but I can only just hope things somehow i'm not going to think they're going to resolve themselves but that um i don't know maybe something it's hard to know what good can come out of everything at the moment but i think people just have to keep hoping, you know
2: or whatever i think yeah it comes down to that within every scenario to oversimplify it there's a there's a good option and a bad option mm. and you know which one are we going to choose which where where are we going to put our energies and uh it's Often the bad option is built on ease, right It's just so much simpler uh, a friend of mine said and in, in in issues of honor, it's never easy ever because if it was then what what value would honor have? It wouldn't have any really and it would be something that you could you could play around with in a, in a simplistic sense and you know never really have to feel any weight from it, but that's not the way the world works. The things that are important and meaningful are not done easily and